Yeah? Matthias Ackholm is an Edmonton Oiler! Was that too loud? Dude, I think you broke the sound barrier. Yes! I'm so and, happy. And Actually, that's good. Yeah! I'm not, I'm not, oh god, now, now it's clipping. Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> that's a whoopsie daisy. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles, it's a big day. It is a very big day, Nolan, and I am. I think that the only way to celebrate that is is by wearing matching Oilers toques. I got yes, my right here. Yep. Yes, yep. Sir. There you go. What a day that started out with um, sadness and optimism turned into just a joyous occasion i think yeah i, I will say it i i, I mean we'll kind of get to it but um it's been start the it, counter start the counter right now we're gonna get to it because <laughs> this is gonna be a behemoth yeah th- th- this is gonna be this is gonna be an all-timer this is gonna be like this might actually rival uh, like a counter with some curse words during like uh you know a seven game oilers losing streak so Get your uh, get your pen and paper ready because uh, you're going to be doing some tallying pretty we've shortly got, here. We've got a lot to talk about, man. The, the NHL trade deadline is Friday, March third, but apparently none of the GMs in the NHL are giving that any sort of thought. And boy, howdy, has it been a busy past couple of days. We're going to be Nolan. I might as well just get get into it and talk about what we're going to be going through here because this this there's there's no time for chit chat. I like this. This is business. This is this is a business meeting between me, you, and everyone who is joining us. And we are very excited to, to have you joining joining us for this episode because we've got a lot of good stuff. We're going to be breaking down the game against the Penguins, the game against the Blue Jackets, shitty, and then the game against the Bruins last night, really good game. We're going to move into, you know, the uh, the betting stuff, the, the, the sponsored program. And then we are going to move into NHL stuff, which is trades, 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 Keandre Miller. And uh, then we'll do uh, Rockstar of the Week, and we're going to get you out of here. I would say it's going to be a quick one, but boy, boy, boy business, it's not going to be a quick one. It's going to be a long one. You can blame every NHL general manager today, uh, particularly the names Kyle Dubas, yeah. Ken Holland. Uh, who else? I don't know. Ro- Rodney Dangerfield in Carolina. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Whatever Rod, his name is. Rod, well, not not Rod Brindamore. He's the coach, Miles. Yeah, I'd said Rodney Dangerfield just because like <laughs> that just came to mind. Um, and then the Nashville guy too. Whatever. David Poyle. David Poyle. David David Boyles. David Boyles. He's been there since like the sixties, eh? Um, I would say nineties, but you're close. Yes, thank you. Close yeah, yeah. counts in. Hand grenades, horseshoes, and NHL GM tenure. But Nolan, can I just can I get her going here with this game against the Penguins? Let's fire it up, boy. Boy, uh, this one has been titled "Big Pities." Seven two <laughs> win over the Pittsburgh Penguins on February twenty third. Let's let's start this off from the top. Penguins don't fly, but we do. Is the caption that the Oilers PR team went with to announce the boys landed in Pittsburgh? And I'm going to be honest with you, they deserve to lose the game based on that caption alone. So in my mind, it's already one nothing Penguins. It's not actually one nothing Penguins, but just a god awful caption. I I I like 
Oilers PR sometimes, but they do win the cringe award from time to time. And Penguins Don't Fly But We Do is right up there with DeHarnay when um, David DeHarnay David DeHarnay was on the Oilers for that uh, playoff push. Whatever. Anyway, game starting. We got Churston Jury in goal for the Penguins <laughs> and Slutty Stew in net for the Oilers getting things underway. Um, could someone please let the Oilers know the game started? Oh, Chris Letang, you can do that. Thanks, pal. Because Chris Letang blasts the puck into the internal mesh of the net to give the Penguins a one nothing lead a minute, five seconds into the game. I don't know if there's a guy in the NHL with worse luck than him. The fact that he is still playing professional hockey after what he's been through is insane. Dude needs a trophy named after him. one nothing Penguins. Connor McDinglesaw scores the equalizer on the power play, one nothing game. Barry and Nuge get the assists. Very cute, very nice. The power play merchant of death, Leon Dreisaitl, scores his 35th of the season, overall, not just power play, from McDavid and Barry to give the Oilers a 2-1 lead. End of the first. With the second period underway, the Oilers are in front. Kyler Yamamoto Cross scores his 5th of the year from Hyman and Nurse, 3-1 Oilers. Thank you, Kyler, for opening the floodgates. Good for you. Devin Shore scores his first of the year. And I want to shit pure lava. Jesse Pugliarvi assist for oh, one Oilers. That you you yes. didn't say that. You didn't say that very nicely. No, Nolan, because um, we'll get to that. <laughs> Warren Fogle stays hot. Chicka chicka. Yeah. Fake ID, fake ID from Leon and Kulak. Oilers five, one lead. Nuge scores his 28th of the year towards the end of the period. Thank you for the yummy little pass, Connor, Nuge says, as he gobbles up his 600th career point. I'm not sure if it was this game or point specifically, but he did hit 600 on that on that road or these in this past block of games. We are very proud of our 72-point king. Long live the Nuge. Conrad McDervinson, king of, Al of the Alberta Empire, scores just an absolute dazzler of a penalty shot in the third period to give the Oilers a 6-1 lead. Yucky, yucky stuff from the best player in the world. At this point, you don't even love to see it. You just kind of expect to see it. And, and not enough people are talking about how much he deserves a shiny new toy. I put puck moving D-man, but we will get to that uh, for the playoffs because, yeah, he's very good at hockey. I wrote these notes before today. So uh, if anything is like passive aggressive at Ken Holland, do, do take that with a grain of salt. Um, after a Mar Malkin goal got called back and the puck moved around the ice for a little while, Chris Letang eventually scores a late power play goal good for his second of the night and seventh of the year from Crosby and Malkin typing that statement Crosby Malkin Latang um, put me in a time machine back to 2010 where Gino Crosby and Latang were filling the net with by the bucket load and Flurry had yellow pads um, and in this in this little time machine I'm stuffing beer I stole from my dad uh, into a backpack that I have buried in the yard so that I can go to a sleepover that's actually a party in hopes that the hot redhead from my drama 10 class will be my beer pong partner and i can get her bbm life is simpler and it is better so yeah this one finished uh seven two oilers edmonton threw 44 pucks on net and the penguins had 24 shots oilers went two for three on the power play and the penguins were held one to one for four Stu was solid he stopped 22 shots for a 0.917 save percentage uh, last one to leave the PNB Rock Arena. Turn off the lights. That's the end of the game. Go, go Oilers. <laughs> go Oilers, go. Um, man, this is... Uh, for one, for a complete effort in front of Stuart Skinner, this might have been their best game of the season. 
because it seemed like for the last little while, the Oilers had all of their best efforts save for in front of Jack Campbell because they were kind of under the assumption that if they didn't play well, Jack Campbell might shit his pants and they'd lose like eight to five. But uh, the thing I really liked is after though, after that first goal, they just kind of took a second, got, got the burn straight. And, <laughs> and Connor McDavid tied things up and it's like the team just got momentum from there. The last thing you want to do as an opposing team against the Oilers is take a penalty. Because if you set this team up on the power play and they tie things up or God forbid, go ahead, the, the, the train just starts going. And it just, it, it was just, it was that night for this entire team. They were scoring up and down the lineup. Um, really great stuff to see. I, I've been really impressed honestly by Warren Fogle. Um you and I had a chat about this and I mean we'll kind of get to him a little bit because um he had a pretty decent week and I was kind of mentioning to you when we were talking was like is this a hot streak for Warren Fogle? Is it just like cuz the thing with Warren Fogle that you have to understand is there's going to be weeks where he scores like five goals in like three games. And then there's weeks where it's like, oh, no, oh, Warren Fogle has gone two months without an assist. Wow, that's that's shocking. Um, and so I, I've been really impressed by him. And it's just he looks like he's getting a little bit more stingy and he's just firing the puck at the net. And that's all you can ask for from a guy like that, especially when he's making two point seven five million dollars on a very cap strapped team. Hey, so maybe it took two years for him to find his game, but it sure seems like he's found it. And fingers crossed that that continues because he's been he's been a breath of fresh air. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, this has been uh, this was really good to see, and I've just uh, I'm really happy with it. This is uh, this was an awesome effort. Um, should we move on to the next game? Well, it's funny you say awesome effort, Nolan, because this next one was quite an awesome effort too for a bit, <laughs> for a little bit. Uh, but this one I've, uh, I've titled, That was about to suck! We salute you! Which was a 6-5 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets in Nationwide Arena. I think that's what it's called. Uh, reading what, uh, Miles has written here. Uh, the Romans, the Byzantines, and the Oilers have one thing in common. Nolan, what is it? <laughs> they stumbled, crumbled, fumbled, and fell to an inferior opponent. Strap this strap in. This one's going to be an emotional roller coaster of a recap. Wow, Miles, this is poetic. Thank you. You're, are you, I'm I'm blown away. Uh, <laughs> so it's the it's the Blue Jackets, right? They're fucking nineteen thirty five and six and last in the league. It's also a Saturday afternoon, so the Oilers just have to fucking lose because their fan uh, because giving their fan base any sort of hope or stability is such a chore. The 65-year-old rookie who came to Ohio on a raft, <laughs> Kirill Marchenko, scores his 15th of the year to open the scoring a minute and 14 seconds into the game. And immediately, you know it's such a Jack Campbell kind of game. Oh, man, that's a really good line. <laughs> uh, like, it's going to be this kind of game where Jack Campbell gets fucking Piper Perry by a gaggle of <laughs> By a gaggle of dudes. God fucking damn it. By the way, Marchenko has of today 16 goals and one assist. He's growing into a pass first player. You know the meme I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Okay, good. 
All right, so maybe that was a little harsh of me to say about Jack Campbell because this period wrapped up one nothing Jackets and Campbell turned away the next eight shots he faced. That's decent, right? Well, the second period starts in Boone Jenner. Awful name once again. Scores a power play goal, 133 into the period. And just like that, the city walls break and the Jackets breach the city. <laughs> Marchenko again, two minutes later after Boone scores. Gets another one from Jonathan Ice Hockey. <laughs> 3-1 Jackets. Then two minutes after that, Patrick Line scores a goal. 4 nothing Jackets. This was such a tough goal. This was like kind of from the Rockstar Zone. Um, but also just a really bad look for Jack Campbell. Holy smokes. Such a Jack Campbell kind of game. Oh my goodness. Uh, Jack gets pulled finishing with four goals allowed on 14 shots. That's a 0.714 save, save percentage. In comes Stuart Skinner. <clears throat> so the goaltender change apparently woke the Oilers up, who I can only assume were sleeping on the bench because they sure as fuck were not playing hockey up to this point. But Warren Fogle scores a squeaker of a goal. You heard that name already. Uh, through Corpusalo's pads for a, for a lucky life giver of a goal, 4-1 Oilers. Three minutes after that, Oilers. I said this before. What should you not do when you're leading against the Oilers? Give them a power play. Well, that's exactly what they got. Uh, Miles said to his dad, if they don't score here, the game is over. Little did I know it was already over, over before it even started. But the merchant Leon Dreisaitl scores from McDavid and Barry. Uh, and it's 4-2 Jackets. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is still the second period, by the way. Connor McDavid scores a shorthanded goal from Brett Kulak, and the Oilers are down 4-3. The barn is silent, and McDavid's celly was pure gasoline. One more time is not just a Daft Punk song, also a Connor McDavid creed. Apparently, as he scores his second of the game, two minutes after his shorthanded goal to tie things up at four. Barry... And Kulak get the assist here. Okay, no, it's the third. And the and the Oilers' short-lived magic apparently is dead because the corpse of Jack Roslovic scores his fifth of the year while his teammates work his arms like a scene from Weekend at Bernie's <laughs> because this dude has been terrible this year. Jack gets back out front 5-4. I cannot believe that he has been as bad as he's... Or I, I, sorry, I can't believe he has scored only five goals in the season. That's actually psychotic. Like, well, just re- read the next line. One more time, not just a Daft Punk song, but also a Jack Roslovic track, apparently, as his teammates once again score his lifeless body through a series of elaborate ropes and pulleys <laughs> to extend the lead to 6-4. The Oilers would once uh, would get one from, the, from Zachary Martin Hyman, by the way. I don't know if you knew. He's a children's author with three minutes left, but unfortunately that was as close as they would come, and this one would finish 6-5 for the Jackets. What a waste of a game. Edmonton had 47 shots, and the Jackets had 26. Skinner actually credited with the loss in this one as the game came back to a tie, which is some fucking stupid shit. I mean, like, let's be honest here. He did not Um, deserve to take that off. No, 100%. Um, Both teams were one for four on the power play. Get these idiots off the ice and get angry and drunk the rest of the day. Um, Miles, I don't think this is a hot take, but we can probably safely say the Oilers didn't try very hard, but Jack Campbell kind of lost them this game. Yeah, you don't like to put, I don't like to put a loss solely on the shoulders of a goaltender, but. Um, oh, we, we know. Yes, but, and, and I've been a Jack Campbell defender all year, and I, I, I like to play that role. And I've said it once, I'll say it again, because I had a goalie coach say this to me when I was young. Um, 
to score a goal, you have to get through five guys before you get through the goalie. But Jack Campbell likes to be the exception to that rule sometimes <laughs> and just let in like a beach ball of a serve back to him. Like it's it's frustrating because when he's good, he's 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 fine. He's exactly what you want. But boy, howdy, he loses games every now and again. And uh, unfortunately, I, I think I would. Do I want to say this was a Jack Campbell loss? No. Am I going to say it was a Jack Campbell loss? Also, no, because the, the effort level from the Oilers was not there. That's fair. Yeah. So fair statement. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to say one player loses you a game, but it's a lot easier to make that argument when it's a goaltender. Yeah. Um, I think the, the issue with it is that, I mean, I think the frustration is just kind of mounting for everybody, right? Is like, and I've, I brought this up before. You signed this guy to a five-year deal, gave him $25 million to be consistent. Nobody is asking this guy to be Connor Hellebuck. Nobody's asking him to be Igor Shosturkin. Nobody's asking him to be Ilya Sorokin. All they're asking for, by the way, isn't it, kind of, isn't it, isn't it kind of crazy that the t- like basically top, like three of the top four goalies are all Russians? No, it's not crazy. It's, I just, I just like, I thought that was a, yeah, that was an interesting little factoid. It is an interesting little factoid, but Nolan, if you look at how goaltenders are trained, um, per country, they have, you know, very specific types of methods for how they teach the position to young players. And Russia has it down. Russia has a very good program for turning, you know, promising young athletes, not just in hockey, but like in every sport into superstars as long as they have the building blocks so yeah surprising like, no but like cool yeah i agree with you yeah they're incredibly like jack too yeah. which is nuts like yeah. if, if you've seen andre vasilevsky without a shirt on it's kind of shocking <laughs> um but no like it, it's just yeah it's a it's a it's a so going back to my point on jack campbell though is like you sign this guy to not be an elite goaltender but you're signing him to be just consistent just a fine goalie and it's unfortunate because by all metrics he is if you want to go by counting stats if you want to go by like i mean you can go by the win loss record if you want to if you want to try and cope uh then that's fine but you go by every other metric including advanced analytics with like goals saved above expected and all that stuff um jack campbell is unfortunately among the bottom three or four goaltenders in the nhl which for five million dollars is not not an ideal look for this organization right now. While we're on the fact of the matter, they played the Blue Jackets twice this season and went oh one and one. They got one point out of four against the Blue Jackets. Yeah. That simply uh, is not good enough. Yeah, and it's also games too where like there is the one game against Philly where they like they just peppered shots on goal and it felt like Philly was doing everything in their power to be as like stymie as possible. Like they were, they were playing a, like a Tortorella system where you know that Philly's not good. Like Philly's a bad team, but the system they were playing was kind of like a, was kind of like a trap system where it's like, you're going to win. Whereas with Columbus, it's not that case. Like there's, I feel like I'm watching this game and I obviously I, I can't do the classic, like, um, you know, I, I, as much as I want to do the classic, like there's a guy wide open right there. And it's like, or you would say, you know, pass the puck over to that guy or take that shot right there. Cause we can say it from the comfort of our couches, but it felt like they were just pissing this game away and it was so winnable and just, 
you just hate to see it. You hate to see it against the worst teams in the league. But at the end of the day, I guess maybe that just puts hair on your chest. For the people at home that their favorite one for one episode is when we're really sad. If it wasn't for the move today, you would have gotten your wish and this would have been a depressing spaghetti kind of episode. But yeah, but we do have something to be happy about. And that was a really good game against the Bruins uh, titled High Dicks featuring 50 Tucks 3-2 lost the Bruins. February 27th. That was yesterday. Gary Bettman in town to watch the league's best Boston Bruins, formerly the pick for Fuchs's fraud of the year. Tough look. Take on the world's best player. Swayman and Skinner. Skinner and Swayman. Louis and Jake. Jake and Louis. Marshan and being a little bitch. A little bitch and being Marshan. Um, Bruins acquisitions in the lineup. Lots of storylines in this one. Lot, lots of things for guys to talk about here, you know. And that's a that's a that's a good spot to be for a podcaster. Who's ready for some Edmonton Oilers hockey? Me. Conrad McDavidson scores his 49th goal of the season, two minutes and 17 seconds into the contest to give the Oilers the crucial one-nothing lead. Leon gets the assist. It's one-nothing Oilers. Great start, guys. Awesome. We're really proud of you. For 13 seconds. <laughs> because after the McDavid goal, 13 seconds later, Thomas Nosek scores, assisted by his new teammates, Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway. Tie game. Oilers hockey. So fucking sick. It rips your heart out like a hinge date stealing your favorite Anderson building movers hoodie. Why am I talking about heartbreak? Because Nick Foligno, son of Lou Ferrigno, not confirmed, scores his 10th of the year, giving the Bruins a 2-1 lead. Another Orlov assist. Do you think this guy likes Boston or what? Maybe a little bit, yeah. Maybe a little bit. Maybe he's happy to be in Boston. So after getting scored on by two autom- automotive forklift operators, Felino has 10, Nosek has four. You got to be worried about what's going to happen when the Bruins monsters wake up. Uh, but the Oilers wrap up the first period, outshot 10 to 7 and down a goal. Honestly, not bad. Could be a lot worse and thought we were going to get away with one when Marshan collided with Nurse early in the game and he immediately went down the tunnel and it looked like he might be out for the rest of the game. Not happy to see a guy get hurt and leave the game, but you're like, ah, you know, Marshawn's out. It's going to be a little bit easier for the Oilers to get one, but he was right back. I think maybe he missed a shift, if that. Uh, tough, tough little bugger, tough little guy. Second period starts, hot cross buns. Clean Costin takes a hooking penalty that uh, has everyone leaving a sweat line in the couch because this Bruins power play is nasty. Pasta narrowly misses the net in what easily could have been a goal. The puck uh, gets into the... Bru- what are you laughing about? The sweat line? I know, I just, I just looked at line eight. Okay. Go All on. Right. That's what they call foreshadowing in the biz. Um... So Pasta narrowly misses the net in what easily could have been a goal. The puck gets into the Bruins zone and a freshly rested Klim Reaper, little boys, Charlie McAvoy, putting him into a spin cycle sleeper hold and feeds a trailing McDonald stand who makes a forehand backhand move to slide it past a sprawling Swayman and scores his 50th of the season. 50 and 61. That's Connor McDavid. Fucking nuts, man. Yeah. He... <clears throat> It's it's honestly like I feel like we've said this many times, but it's amazing the love extra level he has every season. Like it's remarkable. remarkable. It's player. unbelievable. It's just what a player. What a fucking player. And Oiler fans, I know that you're grateful for him, but we need to make sure that we are extra grateful for him. We need to enjoy every goddamn moment we have with this guy. 
this goes back a couple of seasons ago, but um, C- Connor, if you're listening, please come on the pod and ponder the orb with us. Um, we we would love to have you. And for those who haven't listened to the show, a couple of years ago, we confirmed had Cassian, Barry, and Bouchard view our Instagram stories. So I don't know if we're on the radar, but I sure like to think we are. So Connor, if you're listening, please come ponder the orb. With tough us. two out of three. Tough two out of three. Um, the forgotten second assist here because Clem had the really nice primary assist uh, went to Kodath CC. So those were your point getters on the play. The battle rages on in a two-two deadlock until the Oilers do the most classic Oilers thing of all time and allow a back-breaking late period goal. The culprit, Pavel Zaka, Zacha, Zaka, Zaka. Zaka. Yeah. I had it right the first time. I got to be a little more confident. Yeah. Um, the time, Nolan, was 19 minutes and 30 seconds. So absolute backbreaker to go into the room. This... Um, assists to the Yellow Palm, Pasta, and Derek Forbert for a 3-2 Bruins lead. This was such a tough sequence for both Cody Cece and Stuart Skinner. Like, with Skinner, it's just like it's just a gamble that nine times out of ten usually goes your way, I feel like. Really uh, nice effort play from Zaka, though. Zacha to get it. Yeah, it was, but also Cody CC, like, come on, man. Like, you gotta, you, you, like, you gotta, you gotta take care of the front of your net a little bit better. Like, for you sure. gotta get that out of there. I don't know. I just, and then I just, I, I, I feel bad for Stuart Skinner because he went for the big poke check and it would have been like, like I said, nine times out of 10, that play probably goes his way and he gets it out of the zone. But unfortunately, Zaka stays with it and puts it home. Yeah. All right, uh, time for a little bit of a rant here, Nolan. And we were talking about Boone Jenner having one of the worst names in hockey, but I I say this with all due respect because the guy's 6'3", 208 pounds and could fold me like a picnic blanket, but what the fuck is a Garnet? I've heard of Garrett. I've heard of Garth. Have not met a Garnish. Have not met a Garnet in the wild. Um, do Do you remember those names where it's like, there was that meme and it's like, ladies, what's the worst name to moan? Garnet has to be up there. <laughs> the uh, I I think of I think of that Family Guy bit where it's like, what's the worst name in the English language? Keith. Is, is it Keith? Yeah. So you know, just well, you know, while you're thinking, while you're hearing this, just run that name through your mind in in that sort of manner, and be like, oh, Garnet Garnet's a tough one. Garnet Garnet is a tough one. While we're on the topic, I found the least sexy name of all time. Nolan, do you remember the 2006 blockbuster hit Accepted? I, you're, come on, man. I've seen that movie probably 25 times. Ask me about my wiener. Starring Jonah Hill, Blake Lively, and Justin Long. Justin Long, who brought the role of Bartleby Gaines to the screen. Bartleby. Imagine moaning Bartleby. Blake Lively is just moaning Bartleby. No, dude, no one's moaning Bartleby. 3-2 Bruins going into the third period. (laughs) The third period was a great 20 minutes of hockey, tremendous saves, physicality, back-and-forth action. I loved the effort from the Oilers in this game. Major drama coming in the last five minutes where it looked like Kleem was about to get a five-minute major for an elbow stick to the face on Krejci, but the call was reversed as it was clear as day uh, that Krejci's own stick hit him in the face and caused the gash call reversed that five minute penalty kill would have been a ship sinker 
Oilers get another shot at life. Plot twist. Clem Costin takes a double minor high sticking penalty. And anyway, for real this time on Patrice Bergeron at the 1530 mark, meaning the Oilers are going to be down a man for nearly the rest of the game, spoiling any chances at a pulled goalie push. I have a question about this. Yes. I'm still wondering why it was a double minor. Yeah. Did he bleed? I didn't see blood. No. I was just kind of because like they took the camera off of Bergeron. He basically turned and skated towards the Bruins bench. But when they first showed him after he got the high stick to the face, I didn't see any blood. I don't know. Maybe 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 because it got to his eye. I don't know. Maybe there was a spot on the glove or something. You never know what it what it takes. Or they got freaking razor blades behind the Bruins bench, and they're like they're going old wrestling trick. You know, one of the old wrestling (laughs) tricks where they would cut themselves to make them bleed a little bit more. Maybe that's what Patrice Bergeron's doing, cutting up that beautiful face of his. Cutting up that beautiful face of his. Um, yeah, but Vinny D, being a great teammate and overall good guy, sees his buddy Clem sitting in the penalty box and says, Golly gorsh, I can't let my pal be in there all alone. I should go sit with him and keep him company. <laughs> and promptly slashes David Pasternak in the back like he's a tree, and Vinny D is a Paul Bunyan cosplay so yeah the Bruins with a two-man advantage that's not what you want Leon and Connor out there to kill the five on three which led to some maniac level shit where they drove the ice for a scoring chance two times but failed to connect on the cross ice feed each time allowing the Bruins to hold on to a 3-2 victory shots finished 28-24 for the Bruins the Oilers were 0 for 1 on the power play and the Bruins were 0 for 5 shut out shout out to the Manson penalty kill school of excellence um, one little thing I wanted to highlight here, McDavid had 24 minutes, Leon had 22, Nuge had 21. The highest time on ice for a Bruins forward was Pasternak at 2 minutes, 11 seconds. Goes to show 20? how... What's that? You mean 20 minutes, 11 seconds? What did I say? Two minutes? Two minutes, 11 seconds. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a oof, Maron. Past the 20 minutes, 11 seconds. Goes to show how deep this Bruins team is. They're able to, they're able to roll their lines in a close hockey game with various situations. Um, Oilers lost to a great team, despite what I would say, you know, them being, I think the Oilers were the better team in this game. Um, taking a page out of your book here, Nolan, Money Puck deserved to win meter had this one at a 50-50 split. Expected goals were 3.07 for the Oilers and 2.81 for the Bruins. Miles, why are you talking about all this nerd shit? Isn't it Nolan's job to do that? Yes, dear listener, it is. But I wanted to give validity to my Oilers that they were the better team take that I'm trying to make here. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I thought that the, I thought that they outplayed the Bruins overall. Um, that call for the the Costin double minor, I I just don't know. I, like I said, I was just really confused by the fact that they were calling that a double minor. It just it made no sense to me. But whatever. Um, I guess that's just what happens, and you got to try to learn how to kill it. Um, Vincent Deharnay was. That's a really bad penalty to take. I kind of see where he's coming from to a point because he watched Matias Yanmark get hauled down and didn't see it called. And I think it was more a play out of frustration more than anything. Like the refs were literally there watching it and watch Matias Yanmark get, you know, get brought down. And out of frustration, he just like whacked the shit out of Pasternak and was just like, we're probably going to lose this game. So why don't we hurt these guys a little bit too? Which not a big fan of, especially when it's David Pasternak, who's one of the best players in the league, but okay. Um, I was saying this to you before, but like, man, they looked so good on that five on three. And it reminded me of, um, 
I can't remember if it was it's it's either one of two. It's either Mike Richards when he was like really good on the Flyers, or it was that one Ilya Kovalchuk Devil season where they went to the Stanley Cup final. It was either one of them had a season where both I can't remember which one it was, but scored like five five on three shorthanded goals or something like that. It was something absurd. Um, I feel like it was Mike Richards, but I know that Kovalchuk also had that crazy like defensive season. Um, and that's kind of what you that, that's kind of what you're going to get with Connor McDavid on on the penalty kill, but putting Leon Drysaddle there as well. Just they were able to make shit happen, and they were on like multiple two on ones, and it looked like it was going to happen. And I swear to God, man, if they would have scored on that five on three, Rogers would have popped. That roof would have come down because that's oh, like a huge game, and that's a massive goal. It was very, very close, like millimeters away from the puck being redirected in on Swayman. Like, I don't think either shot actually ended up getting through. But again, when you're moving that fast, like as they were coming down the ice, it's it's hard to to make those hit. But if there's two guys that are going to do it in the NHL, it's you're 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 hard pressed to find anybody better than McDavid and Drysaddle to do it. I but I do have good game, really yeah, good game, a really good game. Um, I do have a bone to pick with Kyle Yamamoto though. I'm just. Where are we at with this player? We're so done with Yamo. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I, he fanned on multiple shots or sorry, he either fanned or he couldn't, or he, or he, or he couldn't convert his chances. And like his teammates were setting him up and I'm not willing. like, I understand that this is difficult because it's like, oh, when yes, Yarvi does it, I, I'm, you know, I was like, oh, you know, you got to give him a chance. He's just unlucky right now. But it seems like the coaching staff has no problem playing Kyler Yamamoto. 20 minutes a game while we'll talk about him later, but yes, the was playing like four minutes a game or six minutes. I think he played, I think he played a total of five minutes last night or something like that. Um, which is just unacceptable, especially when you constantly see that Puliyarvi was doing all of the little things that led to big goals. And when Yamamoto's not scoring, it's like, he's going out for fucking public skate. I just, <laughs> I just don't know. I just don't know what he's there for. I'm, I want the guy to succeed. I want him to be really good. Maybe he shook up from injuries, but we have just seen, if we're talking about consistency from players, if that's what you demand and you demand to see guys doing stuff that is that has a positive impact on the game, even when they aren't scoring, then fine. But you, you have to, you have to like, reward people for somewhat of production. Like, Yamamoto has five goals in the year. And he's making $3.1 million. You know, Yessi Pugliarvi was ripped apart because he was making $3 million and he had the same amount of goals. But at least he was, at least he was contributing. He was doing something. He was forechecking really hard. He was yeah, kind he was of... leading the team in hits for a while. Yeah, he was, he was doing something. And it's like with Kari Yamamoto, we're just, we're constantly wishing for more. I firmly believe that this kid could be like a, like a, 70 80 percent brad marchand i think he can be awesome but he's 24 years old like we can't we can't continue to do this if if we're not seeing anything from this player so the deadline's coming up and if if i'm the oilers i'm looking at a massive improvement in your top six on the wing I'm uh I'm gonna i know i'm gonna get ripped apart for making a f1 comment here um because baby back Billick hates when I do it, but he's a 
he's a big anti Yamo guy, so he might agree with the sentiment a little bit. Um, if you watched season five of Drive to Survive, they talked about how deal how um, contracts in Formula One are not made with the heart; they are made with the head. And that is something that uh, Ken Holland's really going to have to do with Yamo is make a decision with him based off of his head, not his heart. Because for some reason, like you listen to Woodcroft press conferences and they talk about Yamo like he's, you know, the second coming of Christ. And yeah. it's frustrating because, yeah, you see a guy get ripped apart for years for not producing. And somehow Yamo just flies under the radar because he had one heater when he came up from the AHL with Nugent Dreisaitl yeah. and just has just been and- riding that clout ever since yeah and it's i I, and there's got to be an expiration date on it you can't keep giving him a pass and people keep on bringing up oh the he's he's he scored 20 goals last year if it was 20 goals that's the bare minimum of what you expect for a guy making three million bucks yeah like yeah i mean 20 goals shouldn't be 20 goals in a contract year wow that makes me feel really good (laughs) contract year fun so i just I don't know, man. I just, I really, 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 really hope we get, we get something. So the Oilers went one, two and zero last week. I said they were going to go two and one. You said three and oh, tough bounce. Next week we have Toronto on March 1st, Winnipeg on March 3rd. And then we are in Winnipeg March 4th. So this is, um, this is a um we have to factor in the addition so i don't know we I, can come I, we can come back to predictions i was just trying to i was just trying to tee you yeah. up for the next bit you know what i'm going to say 2 and 1 how do you feel uh, <laughs> 3 no oh you're going spicy eh i feel greasy are you uh are, are you are you, are you going to maybe put a couple bucks on that? I'm Nolan. I put a juicy little parlay down on last game, so I don't feel terrific about my, <laughs> my about my betting life. But um, I think that there's a way that I can feel better about my betting life. <laughs> it's so unorganic. Uh-oh, it's time for an ad read. <laughs> um, bet stamp. Yeah. How do, where do we go from here? Um, Betstamp is the best odds finder out there. Helps us maximize our returns. And this episode is brought to you, brought, brought to in part by our friends at Betstamp. Betstamp aggregates all the odds for sports books around Canada, ensuring you get the ultimate bang for your book. You can line shop with all the big sports books, track your bets with your verified tracking system, and even follow winning bettors who use the platform to find those smart little strategic picks that you might be looking for. Or hell, follow your friends and watch them make the same game, uh, watch them make the same game Oilers shot prop parlay picks. Um, that's uh, unfortunately a big weakness of mine is the like, oh, going for the, going for the Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, Zach Hyman, same game parlay. It's, uh, you can do pretty well with it. But anyways, uh, a, I mean, I, I, found, I found something I really, really, really liked this week, which was the Oilers-Leafs game coming up tomorrow. Um, you can get uh, over-under uh, six and a half goals total. I really like the, the over for this game. I feel like the, the Oilers and Leafs, they, they either get one of two. They get, they get a nice, stingy defensive game, or they get an offensive explosion. 
And I'm feeling like this is an offensive explosion game. I think this is a, a couple of teams that have made a couple deadline acquisitions and are going to be feeling a little, are, are you know really going to be feeling it a little bit. Um, I've got over six and a half goals total at minus one fifteen, which you can find on or which you can find at Bet three sixty five. Now it's as high as minus one thirty four on Cool Bet, so you know something to keep an eye out for. Um, and I found that using Betstamp. So please download the Betstamp app uh, on any sort of app store or anything like that. And thank you to Betstamp for sponsoring the show. And please play responsibly. What's the what's the referral code you should be using? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Miles. Referral code one for one, O-N-E-F-O-R-O-N-E when you sign up. Bang. Bang, 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 bang. Bada boom, bada bing. Bada boom, bada bing. And big thanks to everybody who has gone through with that referral code so far. We see you, we appreciate you, and we thank you very, very much for supporting us with with our little sponsorship deal here. So thank you. Thank you to everybody. And if you haven't, it's not too late to use it. Uh, Don't necessarily have to bet, but bet stamp will sure make it easy for you to find it. Any hoosers, Nolan. Um, we're moving on in the show, and we're getting into the uh, the turkey bacon club, as Ooh. it were, of the episode here, because we're talking Oilers shit. And we had this titled Oilers shit slash deadline wishes, because up until today, it was wishes, but wishes came true, and, and things began to happen today. Would you mind if I took the first one? Sure. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You have been the one. You have been the one for me. Beautiful. Winger. Yes, Pooley RV was traded to the Carolina Hurricanes for. <laughs> I think it's Patrick Pistola. Pist- I mean, Patrick Pistola. At the end of the day, I don't really think we're going to have to learn this name because. Uh... Probably not going to be an Oiler. Patrick Pistola, the <laughs> 73rd overall pick in 2019, has 15 goals and 23 assists in 56 semi-league games in Finland this season. He is six feet tall and 180 pounds. He's a left-handed shot, and um, and yeah, I uh, early I just... uh, the early scouting report you hear from people online is like um, has some. Has some pretty good hands, uh, pretty creative, has a decent shot on him. Uh, boots can't really keep up, which, uh, you know, in a modern-day NHL, yeah, that's, that's what you love to hear, right? Um, so, unsigned prospect at the end of the day, and we all kind of know what is happening with this, which is, it's a cap dump. Um, I, I didn't think it was going to be this hard, Nolan. I, I didn't <sighs> think it was going to be this hard. And I hope that you, dear listener, appreciated the the last emphatic yes that you will hear on one for one because a part of me is has died with this deal yes finishes his time as an oiler with 317 games played 51 goals 61 assists for 112 points and and countless memories the former fourth overall pick from 2016 had a tumultuous time with the oilers he will be greatly missed, and we look forward to seeing his fresh start with the Hurricanes. Thank you, Father Ken, for the cap sacrifice. And Canes fans, please take care of our Bison King. We will miss you. Yeah, he gets to go uh, He gets to go play with his good pal, Sebastian Ajo. Um, and I think that he's going to fit so well into Rod Burnham's system. Uh, like, once again, we mentioned, like, very heavy four-checker. Guy plays his ass off when he can. Um, and 
under Rod Brindamore, where that's basically their whole MO is just forechecking hard and they're not like a super like possession heavy team. They're just like throw your body around and get to those loose pucks. I think he's going to play really well. And you put him on a line with somebody like Sebastian Ajo, maybe you throw you know, two Votera Vinen or Andrei Svechnikov on that line too. And I, I think he's going to thrive. I, uh, I'm going to miss him so much, man. I, it's just, it's really sad. It really is. It's really sad because it's like, this is a player where he came in as a high draft pick, came in as a former fourth overall pick. We were all excited about him because it's like the, the consensus top three of the 16 drafts were Matthews, Line, Puyi, then out of nowhere, Columbus just just shocks the world and takes Pierre-Luc Dubois. And we're all like, oh my God. And you see that draft day, the magnetic smile on his face. And people are just thinking, like, this is going to be Connor McDavid's line mate for the next 15 years of his career. Like, this guy's going to score 30, goal, 30, the, 30 goals plus a season. They were saying the, the um, Curry-Gretzky combo. Yeah. With, a, with a Finn and like Ontario born center. Like yeah. that's, that's what everybody was talking about. Yeah. And Nolan, if I may interject for a second, Ken Holland was giving his post trade kind of breakdown here. And he was talking cause he, he wasn't involved with the Oilers in 2016, but he was saying like, um, anybody in that position is taking Pooley RV. Like yep. that, that was like a no brainer pick and you can really break up Pooley RV's time with the Oilers into, into two sequences. The first sequence was like mishandled by coaching, wasn't used properly, was, you know, sent up and down, got pissed off, went to, went to Finland to find his game. Uh, there was all of that, like, you know, as Oilers fans watching him and McDavid flirt on Instagram where they were tagging each other and like challenge videos and stuff. They were like, oh, they're still buddies. Like maybe he's going to come back. Do you think he's going to come back? Oh, who knows? And then shocks the world and says, I'm coming back to Edmonton. And he comes in and we're all excited. And for a little bit, the spark was there and then it would go away and then it would come back and then it would go away. And just a guy who Worked hard, did all the little things right. Talked about bad puck luck. All the underlying numbers were there. Split Oilers fans into pro Jesse, uh, anti Jesse. And at the end of the day, Holland just said, you know, this is a guy we talked about extending for a deal like in the ones. And yeah. they they were close. It sounded like his his um, representative was thinking about it. What They were talking about it. But the, at the end of the day, the, the Pooley-Arvey camp decided it was better for him to get a fresh start. And at that point, Ken knew a trade had to happen and was just looking for the right time to make it happen. So, um, yeah. Fare, fare, farewell. Yes, he, uh... I, will, I will miss you very, very much. I was a big, big yes, 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 a guy. I, I just wanted to just, and I don't want to turn this into like a giant rant, but it, 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 it just goes to show the lack of development, like the like lack of proper development that this team has unfortunately uh, shown time in and time out, which is like, unless you're Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, or someone that just comes in with a natural skill set like Evan Bouchard, I feel like this team isn't really developing players. Instead, it's kind of like, what's your skill set? And we'll just kind of make you work. Whereas... Sink or swim. Yeah, exactly. That first season with Yesse, they should have sent him back to Finland. They should have sent him back to Finland and let him dominate. And then when he came back, you take your time with this player. Because the tools are, were there. He's a great skater. He can skate the fucking wind off. His size is something that you, you can only dream of. Like, this is... Like, 
next level NHL size. He has a good shot on him. It's just not particularly all that accurate. Um, and but if you were to get him in a role where he can properly develop and 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 really hone hone in on these skills, then there's something there. And I mean, I, I don't think I'm speaking too far off by saying this guy should have been Miko Rantanen, like should have been a player of that ilk. Which is you send him away, take your time with him, and when he comes back. He's a much more finished product, and I just finished product. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there you go. And it just—it's sad. It's really sad because I think that this player, like, was somebody that I—I I just think of. I think of the Bison story. I think of him throwing up the heart to the fans when they were Dude, when they were just loving him. Yaffa, Yaffa. It's he just he just rules he just rules as a player and it just it it really it really, it really bums me out and carolina you're going to get a hell of a player you're going to get somebody that will work his bag off if if you if you get him in a position where he can really work on those skills especially puck handling cuz that's probably his biggest weakness is puck handling and really focusing on uh on uh getting that shot down so um yeah and the guy is a the guy's a beast in his own zone, by the way. I uh, I, I made the mistake of going on Instagram. Yeah. And oh, you saw Leon's post? No, I saw Connor's. Oh, no. It says, good luck, boys, at pool, at Tysonberry4, orange heart, blue heart. And the pictures are like group selly with them and nurse. And then the next picture is um him nuge and barry selling and then the, the last picture is is it him and yes going in for a going in for a hug and yes has his hand up for a high five and connor just says too too soon and i'm oh, crying oh tyson barry got the um tyson barry got the um got the instagram tyson barry got the actual post and yes, it pulled you over. You got the story from Leon. Tough I'm, uh, I, I'm going to do it live on air. I'm going to unfollow Tyson Berry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do the same. And I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. Yes. Sir. That's for me. That That's for me. Okay. Uh, Tyson Berry. Goodbye. <laughs> you better change your, uh, you better change your bio. It no longer says Edmonton Oilers 22. Long way away from Burning Man, there, Barry. See you later, buddy. You're gonna be going. You're gonna be going to uh, uh, the hell is uh, the hell's Elvis's place called again? Graceland. How Grace- do you not know Graceland? I, I, dude, I'm having one of those moments where I have so much information in my brain that I just Touch I can't think about. In the land of the Delta Blue, the middle of the pouring rain. We're kind of burying the lead a little bit here. Um, should we just get into the? Should we just get into? You know. Well, I'm trying to bring the energy back up because I legit almost started crying. I I genuinely did too. I'm like Dude, I had I'm, a tear well. I'm like I'm fucking kind of shook right now. <laughs> so let's let's gather, let's center because there's we'll be crying for different reasons. Yes, and because... from different parts of our body. <laughs> a a, a, a soul for a soul, as Thanos would say, right? Big fucking Marvel guy. Fuck you, man. I made one <laughs> reference, and I just get shit on ever since. Green screen god Nolan Schumann. Take it away. Oh, buddy. 
Uh, as mentioned from the top of the show, the Oilers have acquired defenseman Matthias Ekholm and a sixth round pick in exchange from the Nashville Predators in exchange for defenseman Tyson Berry, a 2023 first round or sorry, 2022 first round pick Reed Schaefer, a 2023 first round pick and a 2024 fourth round pick. Welcome to Edmonton, Matthias Eckholm. Nolan, this is a big trade. A very big trade. Who is it confirmed by? Confirmed per Elliot, confirmed per Darren, confirmed per Frank, uh, confirmed per per Merles. (laughs) Confirmed per per all the big names in the biz. Um, Matthias Eckholm is an Edmonton Oiler. This is so sick. How about I give people a little rundown of who Matthias Eckholm is? Yes, sir. Matthias Eckholm is a six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound big boy, thir- almost thirty three year old defenseman. That's kind of scary. Uh, uh-huh. the, who has played the his entire career with the Nashville Predators, uh, totaling over twelve seasons, has two hundred and sixty eight points in seven hundred nineteen games. This guy isn't really much of an offensive dynamo, but the reason why you bring him in is he is one of the few elite defensive defensemen in the NHL this season. In 57 games, has logged five goals, 13 assists for 18 points. Um, uh, an even, an even on the season. But this is also a guy that, in the prime of Nashville, 2017, 18, uh, and 2018, 19, had highs of plus 25, plus 27. If you're if you if you, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, and just this season uh, has been logging 21, 44 a game. Usually plays on that second pairing behind Roman Yossi. But this is a guy you could put anywhere in your lineup. Uh, particularly you're going to see his skills flourish at five on five flourish on the penalty kill. And at the end of the day, this is a guy that's been there. This is a guy that is, that has that big game experience. Has played in a Stanley cup final before has logged 75 playoff games. Um, and wore it wore an A for the predators. Like he's wore, got leadership intangibles. Yeah. Also Swedish has a also great Swedish. beard on him. We've, great we got beard. a great, great beard. And there's something to be said about bringing in veterans that know how to do it and are like staunch professionals. Obviously, we had some mixed uh, we had some mixed uh, mixed reactions to Duncan Keith last season. I was just gonna say, you hypocrite! You no, son I, of a bitch. But there's something to be said about veterans that are still good at the game of hockey. Savage, ruthless. Yeah, sorry, sorry, D1K, but we have an issue there. Uh, Matthias Ekholm is a much, much, much better player than Duncan Keith. And this allows the at Oilers... At the time of acquisition. Yes, at the time of acquisition. We are we are hoping that... He, I mean, he is now with us for another three years after this, so we only hope that Matthias Ekholm will be the same player. Um, but the, this is a player that is going to be incredibly important going forward. He's versatile. You can play him anywhere in the lineup. You want to play him on your first pair? You can. You can play Darnell Nurse on your second pair. Not a great look when you're making $9.25 million, but what can you do, right? Uh, but you. But ideally, this guy will play on a, in a second pairing role, and with the guy you've traded out in Tyson Berry, this makes all the more sense to put him on that second pairing with someone like Evan Bouchard. This is going to be the single most important, in my opinion, will be the single most important acquisition in the long-term career development for Evan Bouchard. This is a guy that is a calm, stabling presence on the back end. 
will be able to get pucks out, will be able to, like, he can actually break out, which is pretty nice. Like, most of our defensemen, for some reason, can't seem to do that. But he will take on the dirty matchups, and he's damn good, and he's damn smart on the ice. This is a guy I have been circling for the Oilers forever. I feel like we brought him up, like, maybe a year or two ago. Like was La- I th- Last year, you were beating the Ekholm drum. Like, yeah. I will give you that. You've been beating this drum for a while. Now, with that being said, there are a couple of concerns with him. One is that he's 32, but he'll be 33 on May 24th. Yes, Miles? For those worried about his age, um, in like 10 or 11 seasons in the NHL, he's missed 32 games. That's good to see. So um, knock on wood, but this guy, he's a tough sound bitch. Yeah, exactly. And also, if we get to that point where he's sustained too many injuries, well, that's why... Uh, Long-term injured reserve exists for don't a reason. Even, don't, hey, we're not saying that because we want this guy in no, the lineup doing we want, what he does yeah, best. We want him in the lineup. Um, but Dude. going back to the going back to the thing I was going to mention, though, is yes, he's 32 years old. And th- d- despite the Predators retaining, he will or, uh, retaining $250,000 on his contract. He will be making $6 million for the next following three seasons after this. So when Matthias Ekholm is up, you know who else is up for a new contract? That's right, Connor McDavid. So this money in, lines money up out. money in, money out. Ken Holland's mantra, and <laughs> at the end of the day, the price that they paid for this, I think, is kind of a steal. Oh, like, a- absolutely a steal. Let, let let's let's go back to the top for a second here. You talked about Evan Bouchard. One of the things that we haven't mentioned yet, and that I, I've I felt very popular today. I've had a few friends texting me about this, like, oh, what do you think? Blah, 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 blah. And the, the drum that I've been beating in regards to this is that it finally gives us Boosh power play quarterback. Exactly. That we've been asking for, that we've been begging for as fans for a really long time. So losing losing Tyson Berry and recently we have been very happy with Barry. We've been saying his name a lot in game recaps because he's been contributing offensively. He hasn't been um, a liability defensively like he had been previously in the season or going back to last year. His game got quite a bit better in the last few months. So we will miss that in regards to Tyson Barry. But the defensive conscious that conscious that Matthias Ekholm is going to bring to this team can't cannot be understated. Exactly. And it's it's just also goes back to the conversation we had at the beginning of the season, which is having a little bit too much of the same thing, is you can only have so many guys like Tyson Berry and like Evan Bouchard on the roster. You need a little bit of versatility. Um, and Tyson Berry came in, and the, I guess we should, is this a moment where we can kind of talk about like Tyson Berry and his tenure as an oiler? I mean, we can probably give him, because at the end of the day, this was Tyson Berry's third season with the Oilers. And we rag on him a lot, and I, I, I get that, in, including myself. I've been next almost to the point of being ruthless towards Tyson Berry. Um, but you're right. You mentioned it. Like He's been having a really great season with the Oilers, and, and from all accounts, like I said, is loved in that locker room. Guys really rally around him and seem to just really enjoy his presence, and that's perfectly okay. But... The fact that they were able to take advantage of the fact that he was essentially having, like, maybe not a career season, but damn close to a career season. Like, this is one of his best seasons in in his entire career because he's not a liability in his own end. He's producing on the power play. Like, 
This is exactly what you want. The, the guy's on pace to crush his career high in goals. Like, he's already got 10 goals in the season, and his career high is 14. So, is it completely out of the realm of possibility that he could hit 15 to 18 goals in the season? Not at all. But this is a player that I think... I Because everybody's talking about whether or not it's Ken Holland that made this decision. But there's been a lot of chat about Brad Holland, and Brad Holland is kind of been looking into a lot of the analytics and the uh, the underlying numbers and age and aging curves and things like that and looking at the fact that Tyson Berry is kind of having this outlier season right now um he's uh he's shooting above his career shooting percentage right now he like I said playing a little bit better in his own end but you can maybe chalk that up to the fact that he's playing less minutes right now uh than he did in like his first season at Edmonton and we're really seeing results behind that. And the fact that they could turn this player and use him as an asset rather than a cap dump is incredibly important. Because when this deal first came through, everybody was suspecting two first-round picks because that was the rumor was that Nashville was asking for two first-round picks and probably Kyler Yamamoto because they apparently love Yamamoto. It was Yamamoto and Schaefer. This deal allows the Oilers to do something more. It allows them to do something with Yamamoto. It allows them to do something with maybe somebody like Cody Ceci if, if there's a deal out there to be made. Um, but I do want to give props to Cody Ceci. The guy came in in 190 games, had 132 points. And Cody Ceci or Tyson Berry? Tyson Berry, sorry. No, no like, worries. Just want to make sure. Like, you, 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 you could, like, he did exactly what was expected of him. And for the price point he was at, I think it was more than fair. So um, I'm going to kind of miss Tyson Berry a little bit, like in a, in, in a weird way, just like the whole like kind of likable guy in the locker room sort of thing. Um, but when the, the, the times get tough in Nashville, uh, I'm, 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 I'm really happy we're not going to be on the receiving end of that. But the one thing I did want to mention too is that I think Nashville is going to play like a, a 2D man power play system because they've, they, they've, they've got a lot of guys that like to produce, you know, that like to produce from the blue line. I swear, man, if he's on a first unit with Roman Yossi next year, I swear to God, this guy, this guy is getting Nashville a first round pick next year. Book it now. So, and then yes. Reed Schaefer. Um, so, sorry, well, I'm kind of rambling here. Hold on uh, one second before yes. we move into Schaefer. Let's just talk for a second here about what this does to the Oilers going into the playoffs. Yeah. Because you've effectively, if we if we look at the swap as Barry for Eckholm, now you have CC Nurse, because I imagine Woodcroft's going to keep the two of them together. Fine. That's okay. And then you're going to have Kulak and Broberg, and you're going to have uh, Bouchard and Eckholm. You have two tough, mean defensive shutdown guys uh, in in Kulak and Eckholm that are going to be able to play tough minutes against teams, really good players, and allow Darnell Nurse to get you know a, a little bit of that monkey off of his chest, as it were. I mean, for nine nine and a half million dollars or nine point two five million dollars, whatever, um, he is going to have to step up. But it's going to give them more balance throughout that defensive lineup, and I'm excited about that. So the word on the street is, and I was going to bring this up when, you know, before this trade happened was going kind of over some of the, some of the, some of the potential targets that the Oilers could possibly still go after, because I don't think that they're done. I really don't. I think if they're only making an Ekholm trade, that's kind of embarrassing. Like you got to do a little bit more, like you got to add a little bit more jam. Yeah, Great first move. 
Yeah. Great first move, Ken. You did it. You did good. Yeah. Can we can we talk about Reed Schaefer for a second? Yes, of course. And I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth if you listen to the show for a little while because you know when when they selected him, we we're like, oh yeah, Reed Schaefer, haha, that's that's good. This guy could really be something. And then the World Junior rosters came out, and we're like, Oilers player going to the World Juniors. That's awesome. That's great. But I I think we had and putting lipstick on a pig is mean. But I think that that's kind of what we were doing with Reed Schaefer, where we as Oilers fans or we as like podcasters were like, yeah, man, this guy like trying to hype him up. This guy's going to be great. Like what a terrific prospect. But at the end of the day, what's his ceiling? A top nine forward? That's kind of what most uh, what most NHL scouts have him listed at. Like if you go to any of the any any so... of the public guys out there, like a like a 40 point winger. So we like, got so a top nine forward and Ken kept Burgo. Yeah. To either keep him long term or to use him as a piece in another deal. That's very, very understated. And he didn't move 2024 either. Like there's still so many assets that this team can play with. If you wanted to take a swing on a big fish of some sort, like you've still got Philip Broberg. Dylan Holloway, Xavier Borgo, you've got also those like lower level Savoy, prospects. Pe- Savoy, Petrov, Lavoie, Petrov uh, Tulio, like all those guys down there. And Tulio and Lavoie have been lights out in the American League the last little while. So those might be guys that if there is a deal to be made for maybe something else that you could maybe bring up and see what you got in them. Um, but yeah, like you said, you're we're I with Reed Schaefer, I was kind of underwhelmed by the pick. Um, but the nice part about that player is that you can kind of look at him as traits and he was only drafted last year or yeah, last year. So he's still early enough in his development where you can kind of convince a team saying like, Hey, um, this guy's six foot three and like 200 and something pounds. And he's got a little bit of a nose for the net. So there's something there when in all reality is like, is the ceiling really like, because people, people like to see a guy like that and be like, Oh yeah, he's Tom Wilson. It's like Tom Wilson's like a literal unicorn. Like you don't, you don't find guys like Tom Wilson anymore. Like it's just, it's next to near impossible. So I hope the best for Reed Schaefer. I'd, I'd like to see him do good. He's a, a good old Alberta boy. Um, but it, it does make me happy that Ken has still kept the guys that have the higher ceilings and went to the, like, I was really worried we were going to hold on to Reed, Reed Schaefer because the organization valued him as like a, like a star, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I'm I'm I'm, I'm really glad. happy to see that that that's not the case. Yeah, very happy with the mood. Very happy with the move. The mood is high right now. The vibes are incredible in Oilerville. Um, and I think that they can be even better because if it, I mean, we're seeing some of these general managers get very creative right now. And there are some guys out there still that I think if you can take advantage of, of GMs running out of time and getting a little bit nervous, that there, there's something there. Um, a, a, a name that's been floated around connected to the Oilers is Nick Jensen on the Washington Capitals, who I spoke to a friend of the show, Nick, and we'll actually get to him a little bit later. But um, he mentioned really underrated defensively, really good right shot only makes like 2 million bucks. If you get, you know, if you get another team to retain half, you could maybe get this guy for like, you know, 700 grand or 600 grand or something like that. Like maybe there's something there and you can trade a couple, like they still have all their seconds left. 
you know, there's seconds, thirds that you can move. There's the first next year. Like, there, there's still so many assets to play with that maybe you could get someone like a Nick Jensen in there or maybe move out a Cody Cece and then you can kind of slide him in there rather than Cece. And it, it, there's so much you can still do with this roster. And especially if you can hopefully, I really want this team to get a finisher. I really want this team to get a finisher on the right. If they can get something of, I, I want a Nino Niederreiter, that was, that, that was the big one. But if you can get somebody that can shoot the puck and can convert on chances when they're set up, then I think that this team is going to be an absolute wagon come the playoffs. My two dream acquisitions for Ken Holland, and like I do not claim to be a cap expert. I don't know how it would work, but you were talking about him. Nick Ehlers was playing on the fourth line for the Jets the other night. Looks like they're doing a little bit of asset protection there. I don't know, but man, if they could get Ehlers would be incredible and call me crazy but i still have a feeling or an inclining or a little bit of hope that they're gonna get jacob chicken so dude if if the kings were gonna get him they would have done it by now the kings fumbled the bag a lot of other teams that we're going to get to made moves for D-men. I think the market is shrinking. You talk about uh, GMs that have their back up against the wall. I think Arizona's got to make a move to get rid of them, and I don't see a better place for him to go than Edmonton. I really, really don't, and I think Ken's going to do it. I have an old wives feeling that it's going to happen. So that was the discussion today. Um, uh, per Darren actually reported that yesterday there was traction for a Jacob Chikrin deal, um, but it fell through in the afternoon. And that was when um, the t- that that's when the Oilers were now were then circling back today on whether or not they could make another move. And the three targets were Jacob Chikrin. Great. Yummy. Awesome. Yummy stuff. Matias Ekholm. Awesome. Sick. Delicious. We like that. Uh, and uh, Vladislav Gavrikov. Don't like that. That's 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 kind of stinky. Um, I, th- I think they're probably out on him, and I don't know what's going to happen with Joel Edmondson because that was the other name that was getting thrown I, around. I, Oilers are not are not, are not going to touch Joel Edmondson. They're out now. I think that yeah. I I do. I don't. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think every team is going to stay very far away from him. Um, there are a few guys that. Man, I know it's unlikely, but fuck, can just Ken take the swing? First round pick, Xavier Borgo. Um, you know, throw in, throw in a couple seconds, maybe a goaltending prospect. Yamo, go get Troy Terry. You're still on the Terry train, eh? One point four million dollars this season. RFA at the end of the season, arbitration eligible. Like, what's I don't know what his arb number would be. Like, if like is he going to be? Let's let's see here. I could probably find out right now. But, um, like his arb number probably wouldn't be that bad. And this is like a damn good player, man. Like this is a sick player. And if you want guys that can convert on chances, that's a player that can do that. And I don't know, man. Anaheim might be open for business. You never know. But I, I, I do think that there's something there. I, I think that there is a, there is a player out there that maybe this team might not, might be looking at that we're not entirely certain about. But I, I don't think that this team is done. They, they have to continue to get better. 
trim around the edges, take advantage of, uh, you know, of teams that are kind of running out of time. Uh, Nick, uh, Nick Bajugstad, otherwise known as Nick Bugstad, uh, has been held out of the lineup tonight for the Coyotes due to trade-related reasons, and he makes like 900K. Bottom six forward, he wouldn't be bad, but there's still we... There's still lots of teams that have been quiet. There's still three days for teams that have made a lot of moves, and I think that there is no better time now than to lead into our NHL shit of the program where we talk about some of these other deals that have went on. Buckle up, people. <laughs> buckle up, people. I'll I'll take the first one, and then you can talk about what you and, and your buddy Nick spoke about. But no better way to lead things off than the team that the Oilers just played, talking about the Boston blockbuster. Boston Bruins acquired defenseman Dmitry Orloff and forward Garnet Hathaway and the rights to Russian forward Andre Svetlakov for forward Craig Smith and a 2023 first round pick a 2024 third round pick a 2025 second round pick and Washington retains 50% of Orlov's salary and Minnesota <laughs> comes in retaining an additional 50% for Boston's 2023 fifth round pick I know that's a lot of picks a lot of names a lot of teams but the main juice of this one is uh, Dmitry Orlov going from the Caps to the Bruins Nolan, what did resident Caps fan uh, Nick have to say about this one? Well, I wanted to quickly mention off the top. Uh, for one, um, I was at the gym today and I was just go. I just like randomly looked at pictures on my phone because it's like you know when you're like kind of like scrolling for a song and then you go back to your main menu and then you accidentally like press on an app by by accident. Well, I accidentally pressed on my photos. And I thought, I was like, how funny would it be if I just randomly sense, if I airdropped somebody the picture of Biden going Minnesota, just <laughs> just at the gym? I I think Did I might. Did you? No, but I think I might experiment that one day. I think it'd be um, really funny. I, I would it, piss myself if I got a gym pick of Joe Biden. <laughs> um, but uh, going back to this trade, though, uh, this trade comes after the Bruins were hot and heavy in it with Columbus for defenseman Vladislav Gavrikov. Uh, the deal fell through due to, like, I think cap reasons, but I think Columbus was going to get what they wanted, like a first and a third. But Boston got really lucky because the moment that Orlov went on the market, um, they got a much better player and a depth forward who is made for Bruins hockey. But as you mentioned before, uh, this was, friend, uh, this was uh, thoughts from a friend of the show and diehard Caps fan, Nick, otherwise known as Pazzo. Uh, whose favorite uh, whose favorite defenseman since Green is Orlov, uh, and he loved Mike Green. R.I.P. Uh, R.I.P. Oilers legend. Oilers legend. R.I.P. Um, so these are his thoughts. Mixed emotions. It was the right thing to do. Washington is getting sl- old, slow, and they can't keep up. Orlov was asking for about six years. Uh, Washington wanted to give him three. Um, while can, uh, while he's consistent, the ask was for six years plus, which after Ovechkin retires and most likely three years or so, once Ovechkin breaks the record, that contract will be unmovable. Now, with that being said, this trade, um, gives room to the young prospects forward, Alexi Protas, which I, I didn't know this guy was like a big deal, but apparently, but they, uh, Caps fans call him big sexy, uh, and defenseman Alexi Alexiev, uh, forcing Laviola to play them. The way I kind of asked him to sort of compare it was like, um, I feel like I've brought this up. You, I don't think you've seen it, but ha- have you have you seen Moneyball? Yes, I have actually. 
wonderful film excellent <laughs> well you know that you know the scene where billy bean basically is like trying to get is trying to get them to play um i think i think it's scott haddenberg like they're they're like, like like they're telling the coaching staff to play Scott Haddenberg and they just continue not to do it. So then they trade the like rookie of the year guy in quotations, um, in order for them to be able to just like fucking play him and we'll see what happens and it just leads to success. Well, that's kind of what Brian McClellan is thinking in Washington is like, I'm gonna force my old like my old head coach to play the young guys. Uh, because McClellan wants to retool. He he doesn't want to actually re- uh, rebuild. Um, with the th- thought process of this being that they could potentially make a move for like Jacob Chikrin because they're going to have all these extra assets. Um, now Nick is out on a potential Chikrin trade because most Caps fans want like a proper rebuild, like they want the young guys to really take their time, develop, get some high end picks, be able to get, or, you know be able be able to grab someone really good. Uh, Nick's Nick's fantasy is that they miss the playoffs and then somehow draft Matt Vaymechkov and then they just have another Russian a Russian superstar. Um, but um, Ovi and Backstrom will retire with the caps uh, with, with, with a very young core around them, but he likes the trade trades. Good. Uh, he's happy with the return. Uh, bittersweet losing Orlov just due to sour negotiations. Um, Hathaway was a part of the best uh, shutdown line in hockey as he was calling it uh, with Nick Dowd and Alexi Protoss. Nick Dow, by the way, I would not mind as an Oilers pickup because he's got like three years remaining at 1.3. Get that bad boy retained halfway. That guy's really good. Um, good player. He'll be missed. But uh, year by year, this is the, the actually the most important point that he mentioned to me is like year by year, Alex Ovechkin is like losing all of his best friends. Um, Ilya Samsonov was basically an Alex Ovechkin pick at that draft was, I guess he basically told Washington management, you should pick this player for sure. And they did. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out, and it's working out in Toronto right now. But that's one guy that he loved that's gone. Uh, and now Orlov is gone uh, just weeks after Alex Ovechkin's dad passed away and all the stuff surrounding Ovi. We've mentioned it before, but we won't get into the politics behind it. But um, And possibly Evgeny Kuznetsov in the foreseeable future, because I believe Kuznetsov only has a couple of years left on his deal. Um, and I guess is just kind of like in the doghouse right now. Um, so it's just kind of morale crushing for your franchise player more than anything. But um, no, I, I think that like Dmitry Orlov is a great two-way defenseman. Minute muncher, really, really, really good. They they do not win the 2018 Cup without him. No, he's been a mainstay on that team for a while and like a stud. I don't know if he's young anymore, but like just a good, solid, youngish defenseman. He's like 31, I think. Yeah, yeah. young. I mean, yeah. Ekholm's 32, so young. Well, I'll be 30 next year. We're oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm curious. I want to follow up with Tanner from Moose Jaw and Swedish Ben because they're big Caps fans as well. They'd be a couple of good guys' uh, brains to pick. But shout out to Pazzo. We had, had some pretty good takes there. Um, I didn't even really think about it from the Obi perspective, but now that he does bring that up, like when he signed that extension with the Caps basically to stay until he breaks the record, um, one of the promises he had the owner make him is that they weren't going to rebuild that they were going to keep this core around him and and everything like that. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, with him losing his buddies, um, how his morale is and, and if he finished, he'll finish that contract out with, with the caps. There's, there's no way he won't, but um, you know, he, he's rushing too at the same time after losing his dad, he might just be like, no, I'm done. Yeah. 
and just quit playing hockey for the cap. So something as well to keep an eye on, but uh, very interesting things happening for both the Bruins and the Capitals. Nolan, we have a minor deal here. Uh, speaking of the Bruins, where the Bruins trade goaltender Keith Kincaid to Colorado for forward Shane Bowers. Colorado gets goaltending depth and the Bruins can take a swing on a 23-year-old former first-round player. Yeah. Yeah. M- minor deal. Um, this one, actually, we can, uh, this this next one, we can actually probably loop into the news that just recently came out. Because um, a little while ago, uh, I I, I kind of hinted at this in, in, in our notes here, and um, the worst kept secret in hockey, it looks like it's finally coming true, and it finally came true today, which is Patrick Kane is a New York Ranger. Because initially, in order to get this deal done, uh, the Rangers had to trade forward Vitaly Kravtsov to the Canucks for AHL winger William Lockwood and a 2026 seventh round pick. This trade, I think, is a absolute banger for the Canucks. This is an excellent gamble for them. Uh, swinging on a 23-year-old former ninth overall pick uh, that's put up pretty good numbers in the KHL, like like a damn near point per game in the KHL. Um, and they got him for like a literal bag of pucks. Like they they got him for absolutely nothing. Um but uh, he, he, he goes to a team with a couple of younger Russians on, the, or, uh, on it in uh, Andre Kuzmenko and Vasily Podkolzin. And the trade gives financial flexibility to the Rangers who can finally acquire Patrick Kane. And while we're on that, let me pull up the trade itself because Patrick Kane is finally now a New York Ranger. Um, he was acquired for a condition. Can I stop you for one second before you give the actual trade? Sure. Um, Bruins boy Ben said he was traded for two extra large Western pizzas. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> that is really funny. Um, so show Showtime Kane, as 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 I I, I, as I guess we're calling him Showtime boy. Um. <laughs> God, where is the actual trade? Okay, the actual Rangers Twitter account doesn't have it. Let me find the Blackhawks Twitter account. Um, cursed search. Yeah, this is very incredibly cursed. Their their bio just says we are a hockey team with a period at the end of it. Oh yeah, yeah. A little. Were you convincing there? Yeah, there you go. Okay, so Chicago got so Chicago trades Patrick Kane to the New York Rangers for a 2023 second round pick, which is conditional. That could be, I believe, a 2024 first-round pick? Or 2024 or 2025, depending on if the Rangers make the Eastern Conference Final this year. Look at look at old Miles coming in the clutch there. He's ready. Um, yeah, he is. Uh, a, a, a 2025 fourth-round pick, uh, Vili Sayarvi, uh, Andy Walensky. Uh, the Rangers receive Patrick Kane and Cooper Zek, and... Th- Arizona Coyotes receive a third round pick for brokering the deal. So the Rangers are getting Patrick Kane at like $2.5 million. So that's pretty nice for a, for a, for a player of his caliber. Um, so the Oilers were connected to Patrick Kane initially, uh, along with the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, along a multitude of other teams. And you know what? I think he's going to fit really well in New York. I'm also kind of happy the Oilers didn't make that trade. I think the only like uh, there was the there was the meme tweet where 
I don't remember who the Blackhawks were playing, but Patrick Kane just scored two goals in like a minute or something. And they were both nasty, like crazy individual efforts. And it's like, this guy's really saying, if you don't trade me, I'm going to destroy your, uh, your Bedard sweepstake. And I feel like Patrick Kane is the kind of guy where it's my way or the highway. And like, he's like, you're sending me to New York because if you put me on any other team, I'm not going to try. Yeah. So New York, him back with Panarin is going to be fun to watch. It's going to be cool to see. Yeah, I, I I actually like a bunch of people are like complaining about about the return on this deal for Chicago. Considering he only wanted to go to one team, I think that's actually pretty good. Like they got a pretty decent pick for him. That's and, like, a good point. The Blackhawks yeah. had zero leverage. The Blackhawks could like the Rangers could have literally said to the Blackhawks, we are not paying you like they could have realistically given more to the Coyotes for brokering the deal because what the hell did the the, the Coyotes have to help them out for? But they realistically could have given more to the Coyotes than they would have to to the Blackhawks because like they had the Blackhawks over a barrel. It's like your player wants to come to one place and it's our team and he has a no move clause. So too bad. Like you're literally just going to have to give them to us. So yeah. I think they actually panned out pretty well. So. That's good to see. Um, should we move on from Patrick Kane? Let's talk about El Nino to the Jets. The Jets acquire winger Nito Niederreiter from the Nashville Predators for a 2024 second round pick. Incredible move for the Jets. Guy makes $4 million for this season and the next and is in the top 50 for five on five goals in the past two years ahead of such names as... Sebastian Ajo, John Tavares, Artemi Panarin, Claude Giroux, Brad Marchand. Um, and all they had to give up was a second. So really good move for the Jets. I uh, shit on Ken Shoveldayov a little while ago talking about how he's got to do something or else he's going to get fired. And uh, he sure did. He got a great player. I've been a really big Nino Niederreiter guy going back to the 2011 draft. Like, remember at the beginning of that season, it was, you know, kind of up in the air as to who the first overall pick was. And after like, the first two weeks of the, of the um, CHL season, like Nino Niederreiter was making a case for being a top three pick. And I think he eventually went um, like 11th or something like that. But regardless, I've been a, a big Nino Niederreiter guy for a really long time. So sucks. He's going to the jets. Cause I don't like the jets, but great move for Chevy and, and the Winnipeg jets. So it's about all guy, all guy can say there. Good on you. Yeah. I like, I, like I mentioned from the top, I'm really jealous of this move. I, I, Nino Niederreiter is such an underrated player. He's really, really, really good. And if we're talking about guys that can just like shoot the pill, um, he is exactly that. So Jets made a really, really, really good here. I just hope that this leads to a uh, potential uh, Nick Ehlers move. That'd be really nice. I uh, was wrong. I was wrong on two fronts. He went fifth overall in the 2010 draft. So I know jack shit about Nino I, Niederreiter. I was going to correct you, but I, I, I didn't. I didn't want to. I want. Well, I could you to, be I'll, nice to me for once? I want hey? I to let you live in the moment. You're being nice to me. What a because good guy. I I why. do like Nino Niederreiter. I do like I, Nino Niederreiter. Because you know who went first overall in that draft? Um, 2010 was Hall's <laughs> year. Yeah. It's been a long day without you, my friend Taylor Hall, and I'll tell you all about it when I see you at stages. You got a thing for Taylors, hey? my kryptonite if i were crazy then would you, <laughs> you still, still call me superman there's a uh on a on a side little tangent there's a video by this guy named pat finnerty who 
talks about the song Kryptonite, and the series is called What Makes the Song Stink, and it's about Kryptonite. And there's a part in it, you know when it, you know, at the end of the bridge in Kryptonite where it goes, yeah, yeah. So iconic. He, he has, but he has this experiment in it, and he's like, listen to how lifeless and how like off, like off key it is. Like it sounds like shit, and he's like, you can get. Any Joe Blow off the street who is completely untrained, at, who's completely untrained in singing, and they will match that pitch for pitch. And so he gets these two guys, and he's like, "Yeah, can you just sing the yeah from Kryptonite?" And then he just grabs these two random guys off of Instagram, and they do it, and he matches pitch, and it's like he's like guy from guy from Three Doors Down, and then he plays it, and then he's like these two guys, and he plays it, and he's like, "It sounds the fucking same," <laughs> and it's 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 really funny. Anyways, um, can I can I can I can I can I for two seconds just talking about you don't need a rider in the 2010 yeah. draft for a second? Sure. Um, just couple 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 tidbits for the kids. Eleventh overall, uh, Jack Campbell. Fifteenth yeah. um, overall, Derek Forbert. Sixteenth mm-hmm. overall, Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah. Just and funny. Who? Kevin Hayes, 24th overall. Kuznetsov, 26th overall. There's, Jayden, there's a couple. Jaden Schwartz was also in that Schwartz draft. Schwartz is in there, yeah. Big, a... big year for St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So there's a few names in there. I just think they're funny. Anyway. Dylan McElrath is Dylan. in that one as well. We're talking about funny, not depressing. <laughs> um, do you know what's funny? Is the amount, of, uh, the amount of Edmonton Oilers that are in the 2012 draft. Um, because uh, if, even if you just go by Central Scouting's rankings, from that year, for the North American skaters, number one, Nail Yakupov. Number two, Ryan Murray. Number six, Cody Cece. Number 10, Griffin Reinhardt. Oh, God. And then you look at the European skaters. Uh, you, get to the, you get to six, Pontus Aberg. Remember, remember Pontus Aberg? Oh, I do Aberg? remember him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, baby. I was so excited Hot. for him. Yeah, Hot I was guy. so pumped for him. Uh, and at number 10 for European skaters, Anton Slepyshev, baby. Slap, slappy, um, slap. Speaking of Russians, Nolan. Yeah. What did, What did your favorite team do? The Dallas Stars. They acquired. Uh, they they acquired uh, Evgeny Dallas Dadnov. Because the Dallas Stars acquired a winger Evgeny Dadnov uh, from the Montreal Canadiens. Fifty percent retained for forward Denis Gurianov. Um, this is a move where Dallas gets a bit older, but gets a consistent twenty-plus goal scorer while shedding salary and. The most important part is that this guy knows how to play with like talented players, and uh, this also helps Gurianov as well. He's going to go to Montreal and he can get some top line minutes there and really try to rediscover that scoring touch. I think this is a really smart move by Dallas and just a really shrewd bit of business. So they actually, like I said, they shed salary in this case and they get a much more consistent and proven player. Awesome. Um, yes. speak, speaking of Evgeny Dadanov, his former team, the Vegas Golden Knights, Vegas, baby, the Vegas Golden Knights acquire forward Ivan Barbashev from the St. Louis Blues for prospect Zach Dean. Nolan said, I'll be honest, I don't totally understand this move from Vegas's perspective. You're trading a 20-year-old center prospect who is scoring at a decent pace, played on the Canadian World Junior Team for a pending UFA middle six center who shot 23% last year, sucks in the dot, and has never scored more than 26 points in a season until last season. It just 
seems smarter to use an asset like that on a bigger swing. And I'm reading that kind of like a dick, but yeah, you are, but no, it's a very valid point. I, I agree with you. And like Zach Dean is a name that is going to get hockey fans pretty excited and to get him for Barbashev, like really Vegas. Yeah. Um, they, they've got to have something coming because they just moved uh, stone to long-term injured reserve. And that's like, nine plus million dollars that they we have to don't play want with good things to happen to the vegas golden Knights. no girls. we don't but it's our job to be to be journalists and talk I, about things here. i just what i'm looking forward to is ivan barbashev um having a decent playoff run where they lose in like the second round um he has like nine points in like 14 games and then vegas says i we're gonna re-sign this guy to like six years at five million per and he will just completely suck after that and i I hate that take because you're like realistically if if they're going to the second round they have to play the oilers at some point and you're also saying that it's going to go to seven because he's going to have 14 games played so at some point that math just doesn't line up but how how nice would it be to have the oilers play them in the second round and they win and they win a best of seven series that would be fantastic that would be great and i would sure like to see that be good stuff um wow this i I mean until like today when it the 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 trade the trade landscape just got completely out of hand this was like probably the most shocking of them all which is tanner not a bad return because tampa bay gets tanner janot from nashville for defenseman cal foot and five draft picks um one NHL executive was quoted as saying, what the actual fuck in regards to the return Nashville got. Uh, Nashville got defenseman Cal Foot, a first in 2025, a second in 2024, and a third, fourth, and fifth in 2023. After putting up 41 points in 81 games last year, the Estevan Saskatchewan product has 14 points this year in 56 games. Cal Foot has played 26, ga- or has played 26 games this year for the Lightning. He's 6'5 and 24 years old. Miles doesn't know much about his game. I, I don't. I don't want to pretend that I know much, but I think he's just kind of like defensive defenseman, big, big, tough, meany kind of guy, kind of similar he's, to what his dad was. Yeah, he's got the name pedigree. Um, one thing that I really liked from Nashville's uh, PR team is they posted a picture of Cal Foot at Predators practice today, and the caption was "No free foot picks." <laughs> really funny. That's good really, stuff. Really horny. Really horny. Hopefully, may, not hopefully. Maybe he'll play with uh, Tyson Berry. Devin Shore is forced to change his jersey number because <laughs> T.S. Eckholm has taken 14. That's rock star shit. That's so sick. He's Step into the room and, and take your seat, King. This you, your my. <laughs> hey, Potter boy, sit the fuck down. Hey, Matthias, you dropped this, the crown. <laughs> no one, I titled this one and I think it's really funny, so I'm going to take it. Um, fuck a draft pick. All my homies hate draft picks. Toronto acquires Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from the Blackhawks. McCabe and Lafferty and a conditional fifth round pick in 2024 and 2025 are headed to Toronto in exchange for Joey Anderson, Pavel Gugliev, and a conditional first round pick in 2025 and a 2026 second rounder. Chicago will retain 50% of McCabe's salary. Kyle Dubas. We make fun of him. We say he is an accountant. We say he is a nerd. And this is some shrewd nerd accountant shit that he is pulling off. That's a really good move for really good move for the for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I I really like this. I 
Sam Lafferty, I'm, I'm really happy the Oilers didn't trade for him because I think if you were to let... I, I'm, I'm really surprised that they, they put him in this deal with Toronto because I feel like Sam Lafferty, like all the buzz that was around him was like, this guy might get like a second... Like might get like a second round pick on his own, so I I I I don't know, but um, really good really good move for Toronto. They get deeper on the four. They get deeper. Uh, they get deeper up front, and Jake McCabe is going to fit in really well. Um, both underlying analytics as well as a lot of the box score stats. Jake McCabe has been. The best not really on the, 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 the best the best defensive on the Blackhawks. He actually has a plus plus minus, which is psychotic shit for the Blackhawks. Oh, um, so I think he's going to fit in really well with Toronto. Um, doesn't really have much of an offensive game to him, but he's just steady, calm in his own end, and he's going to make two million dollars for the next two seasons after this. That's a a, a damn fine deal. So damn fine deal. I really I'll, like that. I'll take this next one because I think the one after that you've got a few more things to say about than I do. And this one's just quick and dirty. A wild Johansson appeared. Marcus Johansson is headed back to Minnesota, traded to the wild by the Capitals in exchange for 2024 third round pick. Cool. Yeah. Marcus Johansson goes back to Minnesota and I think he had some success there and Capitals kind of wiped their hands clean a bit. Um, this is a, this is a big one. Um, so, Kyle Dubas was on one today. <laughs> um, it all started with um, Leafs had practice today, and people were people were people were chit chatting, and they're like, "Hey, why are they they acquired they acquired this new defenseman only for Rasmus Sandin to play the seventh D role? This doesn't make a lot of sense." Well, lo and behold, Rasmus Sandin gets pulled off the ice, and he is traded to the Washington Capitals in exchange for the Bruins' 2023 first-round pick and defenseman Eric Gustafson. Now, Eric Gustafson, if you don't know, for one, former Oiler draft pick. Actually, he was from that 2012 draft, so ha-ha-ha, that's kind of funny. Um, and he's been actually having kind of like a resurgent season because Eric Gustafson has always had that, that, uh, that reputation as a really bad in his own end, but he can actually produce quite a bit of offense. And he is having a really good year in Washington, but... Washington kind of took advantage of that and were able to move him and his $800,000 cap hit along with that first round pick, which is probably going to be in the high 20s to the Toronto Maple Leafs for Rasmus Sandin. And that's a hell of a deal for Washington, in my opinion. You get get a a player that has played really well in limited minutes, um, is like a fan favorite in Toronto. Um, and I think that there's, I think there's so much more to Rasmus Sandin's game. And I think that the Capitals kind of took Kyle Dubas to the woodshed on that one. Um, well, they didn't, they didn't, right? Like they're getting, because a player had to leave for what you're about to talk about next, but they also get a first round pick back. And that's something that the Leafs don't have. So even if it isn't the high twenties, at least they're still getting something. At least they're still going to the table and making a first round pick because their prospect pool has got to be get their prospect pool has got to be getting shallow. Yeah, I I guess that's true. I just I I don't like the idea of of especially when you have so much when you especially when you're so cap strapped on that team, having a defenseman that can realistically play in your top 4 that makes 1.4 million dollars a year doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like that's 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 cost-controlled asset management. And I just don't like the idea of good of, term of, of of moving on from that, you know? Um but this then kind of 
turned into a bit of a snowball effect because then the Leafs traded forward Pierre Engvall to the New York Islanders for their third round pick in 2024. Kind of a steal because Pierre Engvall has been a guy that the Leafs can't move because he has a very high cap hit. And then somehow they were able to convince their old pal Lou Lamorello to take him back on. So now he is now a New York Islander. Then that that Islanders pick then got flipped to the Vancouver Canucks for defenseman Luke Shen, who is returning back to Toronto for the first time since, I think, 2012. Um, it's funny, uh, Jake McCabe was announced that he's going to be wearing number two for the, for, the, for the Leafs. Now, I don't think that he's played his first game with the Leafs yet. So I wonder if they'll, if they'll change that up to give Luke Shen back his old number. I'm a big numbers guy, as, as people know already. But like, I don't know. I think, if, I think if a guy's coming back after 10 years, you, you, gotta, you gotta get a little bit of nostalgia in there, you know? Give him back his old number. And Those fans that may have that jersey collecting dust in the, in the closet, maybe they want to wear it again. That's, that's something Leafs Nation could... could Former fifth overall in. pick. And Saskatchewan product. Avon yeah. Lee Saskatchewan product. Yeah, he was... Uh, oh, no, I'm thinking Tyler Myers. But, like, that, like, that top five of that draft was... That's the OA draft. That was... Stamkos one, uh, Doughty two, three I think was Bogosian, four was Petrangelo, and five was Shen. A lot of big bodies. That's a that's a bunch of big boys. Big boys. Um, before we move into this next one, there's one more trade that broke not too long ago. Not a massive one. Um, Minnesota Wild received forward Gustav Nyquist from the Sick. Columbus Blue Jackets for a 2023 fifth round pick. I think he's hurt right now, but maybe coming back. And if so, that's a, a good acquisition for for the for the Wild. So this was I don't know if you saw the the memo that came out from Gary Bettman and his tiny glasses. Yes, I did. Um, yes. Basically about he. He has basically came out and said, uh, we don't want you trading for players that are on LTIR so that you can activate them for the playoffs. That's uh, against the spirit of the game. It's like, well, Gary, why don't you fix the salary cap issue in this league and then we don't have to deal with this nonsense. Pay anyways, the players, Gary. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Gus Nyquist is currently injured and Minnesota acquired him for a fifth round pick. I swear to God, if he's on LTIR for the rest of the season and then they're able to activate him game one of the playoffs, that might be like low-key the best move of the entire deadline. That's like a top six winger that you acquired for literally nothing. Mm -hmm. A medium Western pizza pizza. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe Hawaiian. I like Hawaiian. Good, good, good opinion, Miles. Good, good opinion. Do Do you call it a Hawaiian or do you call it a ham and pineapple? I call it a Hawaiian. A Hawaiian. I can't spell Hawaiian, so I say ham and pineapple. That seems very on brand for you. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. Um, So we're all done trade talk. There was one more noteworthy piece of news in the NHL, and it has been titled, You Gotta Be Spitting Me. Because for those who live under a rock, and it's easy to forget this when there's lots of deals being made and names being thrown around, but uh, Rangers defenseman Keandre Miller got ejected from a game Sunday, February 26th for spitting on Kings defenseman Drew Doughty. Um, if you haven't seen the clip, it's like very clear as day. He hucks a loogie and Doughty's right there and just wears it. Um, Miller followed this up 
today, which would have been Monday, um, with a statement reading, I want to take a moment to address what occurred in last night's game. I have all the respect in the world for Drew Doughty, and what happened was completely accidental. I would never intend to do something like that on purpose. It goes against everything I am as a person and a player. I felt awful about it, and I am thankful Drew gave me the opportunity to apologize and explain myself in person after the game, end quote. Update. Uh, as of February 28th, 2023, today, the Department of Player Safety handed him a three-game suspension. So, uh, intentional or not, did you see the clip? I did see the clip. I, I don't think it was accidental. No. That, <laughs> it dude, looks that, very that, intentional. Yeah, I, you don't... <laughs> and just happen to hit a dude in the face. I will say, I, I've definitely wanted to spit on, spit on Drew Dowdy before. It's... Uh, it's it's starts with an R ends with a star. Rockstar. Oh, sorry. Kind of rockstar. Just spit on a guy. Sorry, it's not. It's nine thirty eight p.m. and I'm hopped up on coffee and turkey bacon clubs. TBC. Um, Nolan, it's funny that we talk about rock stars because the Ooh, term rock star gets thrown segue. around a lot these days, and. I think I found one here. Um, and this is up for the people at home to decide if it's Rockstar or not. This this is a gray area. Um, but Nolan, I'm going to go on another rant for a little bit here. <laughs> Few things are as bad as Disney adults. Like I'm talking about the people who post themselves on TikTok crying with the video captioned, when you see the Magic Kingdom castle for the first time since COVID, which one implies that you have seen it before. And two, that this was like the trip you thought of all COVID. Like after being locked up in your house for a year and you weren't able to do anything, not, you were it's you not were seeing like granny. It's like, oh yeah, I want to go to Magic Kingdom. Yeah, it's like okay, when I'm able to do what I want, I'm gonna see Mickey and Goofy with nine million <laughs> coughing kids. Water's fourteen dollars, and I have to stand in line for eighty five years. But that's what I'm gonna do when I'm free, because you know, seeing ancient Greece or Africa or the the, the beautiful waters of the caribbean is is so overrated i have to go look at a fake castle that a fake princess lived in in a children's movie and my brain is fully developed tell us how you really feel i don't understand it i don't understand it i like disney movies as much as the next guy and that's not what i'm saying i'm not saying adults can't like disney movies because they are made well and they are entertaining and it's something the whole family can sit and watch but there's like disney enjoyers and there's disney adults and it's two different types of people and we are talking about the extreme the one percent not the 95 percent, and whatever else in the middle math is not my strong suit anywho all right rant over but nolan here's a guy who took disney adult to a whole new level jeff ritz a 50-year-old man from California set the world record for most consecutive Disneyland visits at a whopping 2,995. Ridiculous stuff. His streak started in 2012 and stopped because of COVID. Now, before you come at me for, well, Disneyland and Disney World are two different things. One's in Florida, one's in California. It's, it's not the same. Same fucking principle. It's Disney <laughs> shit. There's rides, long lines, and shitty kids. Um, obviously I am passionate about my hate for Disney adults and I have 
been very fortunate and been able to go to both of them as a kid. And it was wow, awesome. Wow, rich. If I've ever heard of a rich kid before. Wow. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about <laughs> Jeff Ritz. So why is Jeff, Jeff Ritz? Jeff, Jeff Rich. Why is Jeff Ritz rich the rock star of the week? Because commitment is a lost art these days. <laughs> In a time where relationships last three months before you start texting someone new, it's nice to see someone passionate about something enough to spend their hard-earned money on something they care about so deeply. So shout out to Jeff Ritz, you rock star. This has to be a record that will last forever. 2,995 consecutive days going to Disneyland. then i yeah i i completely agree with you on like disney adults that's also say that's also like the same for like the fucking comic book movie stands you find on twitter a lot it's like oh did you watch the the latest episode of loki wow this was so good stan lee is my hall pass I I actually came when I saw that Stan Lee cameo. I was like, okay, that's that's a little far. Let's relax. As we um, talk about caming for Matthias at home. Yeah, but that's cool guy stuff. Okay, come on, guys. <laughs> cool guy stuff. I'm I'm just yeah. You and your nerds and your video games. By the way, did you guys check out my fantasy lineup? <laughs> by the way, I have an Oilers podcast with my friend Miles. He lives far away. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Oh, okay. Man. So long episode here tonight. Fun episode. I had a lot of fun. Um let's get back let's get back to brass tacks, Nolan. We 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 were talked about it at the top of the show. We got Parano on March 1st tomorrow, Winnipeg on Friday, March 3rd, and then we are in Winnipeg for a home and home back to back Saturday, March 4th. So we got the Leafs, the Jets, the Jets. Good teams. Good teams. You've had some more time to digest. I'm sticking with my 3-0. I think Mc, I think McDervinson is going to have one of those, like, F.U. Matthews, F.U. Leafs fans. I'm the best. Suck it. Go Supernova. Um, and, and just, like, just dummy. Have, like, five points and just be a freak. And then I think they beat the Jets both times. I just I just really do. Betstamp doesn't have the odds up right now. But maybe tomorrow, the day of the game. Take a look at Connor McDavid hat trick. Ooh, thank you for supporting me. That might be that might be a little something. If you're I've I've been doing a lot of these like little three dollar bets here and there, and I've been crushing it, especially basketball, because like Bet three sixty five will offer you some of these like little like They'll offer you like little super boosted bets, and it's like all this like easy shit. It's like, oh, James Harden and Jimmy Butler to have twenty points in the same game. That's pretty easy. Bang, done. You make like another five bucks. Um, maybe you want to chuck like three five bucks on Connor McDavid to have a hat trick tomorrow night. If there's one thing to know about Mister McDavid, it's one bad bitch. <laughs> he he is he is like. He's like that that scene from The Office where like Ryan Howard's like when I'm back on top they'll they'll be With sorry. Notebook. And he's yeah. got like his little notebook. That yeah. th- that's Connor taking notes. Oh, Le- Leafs corpses I've created. Oh, Austin Matthews was the Hart Trophy winner. <laughs> that's funny. Um, 
Yeah, I. You know what, Miles? I I'm doing it. I'm jumping in with you. Three and zero. Let's go. Let's go. The boys. Matthias Eckholm. Good. Matthias Eckholm's coming in. He just cucked Devin Shore for his number. The boys are back. <laughs> Devin Shore has been an Oiler for three seasons. Yeah, no. See a fourteen. You're done. Take no the number nine. In the wild. Yeah, take number nineteen owned by Miko Koskinen. <laughs> Formerly Pat Maroon. Did he wear nineteen? He certainly did. Uh, missed opportunity. Should have worn five. But then what would Code of CC have done? I guess they never overlapped. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Three and oh. You heard it here first. Big, big week. Big, big week coming up. Big week. And if this episode has been anything, Nolan, I don't know what, uh, what the front runner for the topic is going to be or for the title is going to be, but um, boy, oh boy, is this ever the home of hot takes and even hotter listeners. So thank you for joining us for this season three episode 16, 16 of the one for one podcast. We love you. And as always, spoilers go. Spoilers go. Spoilers go.